God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. So it's a resettlement campaign, isn't it? That's what's going on here. It's a resettlement campaign. It started with Obama. And Obama always had this thing about colonialism, where first world countries would go in and basically take over all the minerals and and assets of a country and leave it broke and dry. That's That was his interpretation of what colonialism was. Never mind the fact that his half-brother, I think his name is Harry, uh, said that the colonial states in Africa did better than the non-colonial states in Africa. So, you know, the, the data... You know, trust the science, right? You know, of course, the data doesn't really uh, spell that out. It's just Obama's own biased thinking. And when we take a look at all the developments that happened in the last 24 hours, like leaving our fallen soldiers or leaving our American citizens behind in Afghanistan. Uh, So Jake Sullivan is on board with setting a date of August 31st, getting as many people out as you could possibly get. But after that, you're on your own. And Trump gave a a really great interview with Hannity where he said the obvious. Nobody should... the, The whole exit strategy was all about getting out before the Taliban could get ready to confiscate all of our assets number one number two to leave our military behind last making sure that we get that mission mission accomplished uh, caravan heading out of Dodge but you can only get a mission accomplished caravan heading out of Dodge if you have it secure if you have it protected 
Interestingly, there was a poll that said the most liberal cities in Afghanistan are the ones run by the Taliban. But in any case, we would have been able to get all of our, what Trump said with his interview with Hannity, he said, we would have blown up the forts, and by forts, you know, we're not talking about, you know, big fences and machine guns. I mean, those exist. But what we're talking about are buildings, you know, like Fort Hood, but only smaller. Uh, you know, an outpost, a building, assets, computers, weapons, stashes. We're seeing video, new video in the region of Taliban making out with all kinds of new rifles, all kinds of American-made new rifles instead of the old Kalashnikov, AK-47 Kalashnikovs that they had that were rusty and broken. Now they have all new weapons. They have night vision goggles. They have Humvees, uh, up-armored Humvees. They have all kinds of huge assets, billions of dollars worth of military equipment. They will more than likely end up on the black market and making a whole bunch of people rich because these weapons distribution channels and the black market are very profitable. So it's a whole system. Drugs, weapons, that's what they got in Afghanistan. And refined petroleum. There's another thing. I mean, we went into Afghanistan to make things right in post 9-11, but do we really need to stay there? And were we there for the petroleum? You know, where you might see that there's oil in Iraq and Iran and Syria. There's petroleum and now China and Russia have access to huge petro- amounts of petroleum. We don't, but they do. How about the precious minerals that it takes to build electrical batteries and all kinds of different batteries and, and uh, precious metals that are designed to make these renewable energy, these new climate change energy sources? So really, Obama is doing what he always wanted to do, what he, what he always objected to, but he's a hypocrite because he's doing it another way. I said a long time ago, and I'll say it again, I believe the globalists have mastered the art of population migration. They did it in Syria. All you got to do is start a war. If you want to get the refugees to work for your Lyft and Uber Lift work as Lyft and Uber drivers all over the world, and you hook up a coordinated effort with the United Nations, give them like like Obama did nine point six billion dollars in the last year that he was in office, so that they could set up these international programs to set up lottery systems and get refugees to come over to Washington D.C., for example, and drive our our diplomats around to drive our wealthy people around to drive the Lyft cars and to drive the Uber cars. And who's on the board of Lyft? Oh, Valerie Jarrett is on the board of Lyft. I wonder why she was put on the board of Lyft. She doesn't have like one business bone in her body. She's never been a businesswoman. She just worked for Obama, shacking up with the Obamas, Barack and Michael. 
shacking up in their DZ luxury home or the climate change proof water at sea at sea level mansion twelve million dollar mansion of her Martha's Vineyard. Not worried about the water tables. The bank seemed to be okay with it. I guess Ocasio-Cortez was lying to you when she said that Martha's Vineyard will be underwater in 12 years. Was she lying to you? Are the banks lying? When Are the banks dumb? Did they want to give out all this money in underwriting a property that's supposed to be, according to Ocasio-Cortez, underneath the water in 12 years? No. Barack Obama walks in, saves $12 million on a... Sea level, uh, property at sea level on Martha's Vineyard. We're not supposed to ask any questions, though, right? So here we are witnessing the worst catastrophe and and worst uh, foreign policy blunder in American history. First foreign policy blunder. Women are getting killed in the streets. We had no exit strategy, and we only know that because we see people flying off of planes. But in addition to that, we see the Taliban confiscating all of our goodies. That you and I, the taxpayers, the middle class, getting crushed and fleeced, decimated in our own country. And you should see the list of refugee states. Georgia, Wisconsin, all kinds of battleground states. They're all red states. Wyoming. They're all taking the refugees. Why? Because that's where the army bases are. And so they're going to take them over. They're going to migrate them into the voting booths in those swing states, those red states. They're going to try to flip those states blue. This is a resettlement operation, folks. You don't get to be this stupid without it being uh, intentional. It's not stupidity. It's intentional deception. That is what's happening before our very eyes. The open borders, Mayorkas. He can't explain it, but he has to. When he gets up into microphone, he blames Trump. That's all they can do. And the mainstream media will cover for them. You know, I mean, Biden comes out with a cockamamie speech. He reads off of a script that Jake Sullivan wrote. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, okay, that's good enough. Biden's okay now. He gave that speech that he read. He read a speech. He took less questions from the media than the Taliban did. And now it's been reported that Jack Dorsey and Twitter have basically said the Taliban are free and clear to be on Twitter so long as they obey the rules. But, but President Trump, they called January 6th a speech he gave. Never mind trying to explain what happened to Ashley Babbitt or the FBI's infiltration uh, of that or the infiltration from uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa. Never mind the fact that there were pipe bombs planted the day before Trump's speech. Trump, the President of the United States, gives a speech and Twitter bans one of the most popular Twitter account in the world, the one that had the biggest megaphone, banned it pretty much for life. 
and yet the Taliban gets to speak. And what are they doing in the streets? A woman wasn't wearing her burqa, and they killed her. They mutilated her. This is the kind of thing that the radical left throws a blind eye to. But they, they, they uh, censor. They get in the middle of the politics. Politics was always kind of, you know, a blood sport, but it's it never been like what, Trump, like, like what it's been since the days of Trump coming down the escalator. And what we have is we have this situation where Trump made it very clear. He said, out by May 1st, not September 11th. The sooner, the better. Even Pence said that, but nobody really cares about what Pence thinks. Pence and Lindsey Graham, it turns out, had a, had a strategic alliance, by the way. But in any case, it was very clear that Trump drew a hard line in the sand and said, Taliban, if anything happens to one of our troops, we are going to give you a pound of flesh. We are going to basically drop the mother of all bombs on you. We are going to make your life miserable. And by the way, he did drop the mother of all bombs on the Taliban caves early on, I think in 2017, just as a warning shot to say, we're not playing around. And when he did that tough love, the Taliban, we didn't have any problems with the Taliban. They don't respect Biden. And now that everybody and now that the world doesn't respect Biden and his ratings are in the tank, you wonder what Obama's next move is going to be. Because Jake Sullivan's allegiance isn't with Biden, it's with Obama. So when Jake Sullivan comes out and says, we have no real plan uh, after August 31st, we don't, uh, we're not going to talk in hypotheticals regarding who we're going to take out and who we're going to leave behind. I mean, they're leaving Americans behind. They should have never done that. They should have escorted the Americans out early. The military should have stayed behind. There would not have been this refugee crisis. But I believe it's the refugee crisis that that is what they wanted. So maybe the Taliban played right into their hands. It's very clear that not only did Obama release... Two of the five are now leaders sitting in the palace in Kabul that were exchanged for Bo Bergdahl in 2011. They're now the leaders and the presidents. But the president of the Taliban, this other guy, we're going to get to that in a moment, is going to be the next president of the the country probably. And he was working with the CIA. There's another guy where he was working with the United States on U.S. projects in U.S. facilities, and he's a member of the Taliban, and he's now photographed with the Taliban leadership. But he was a spy working with the American government. Now, you could say the American government was fooled, the CIA is a bunch of numbnuts, or you can make the argument and make the statement and say, that maybe the CIA was playing it out this way. 
that they were working with the Taliban when they shouldn't have been, just like they were working with ISIS. Remember, Benghazi was a mission, and Benghazi's assets, they, they murdered Gaddafi, right? And so, in Tripoli, they murdered Gaddafi. They took over Libya. Hillary Clinton laughed about it and said, we came, we saw, he died. So they destroyed Libya. They set up a mission in Benghazi. And what they did was they carted off, they, they loaded up school buildings with these weapons. They took these weapons and put them on boats and shipped them to Syria through Cyprus and through the Mediterranean. And they, they shipped them to Syria. And the world knew what was going on. I mean, Russia has a naval base on the coast of Syria that they've had for 50 years. Targus. They've had a relationship since the 70s with Syria. And they just signed a new 50-year lease with Syria. Syria was never going to go anywhere. Russia was always going to protect Syria and, and the Assad kingdom. So that was all a pointless effort to basically get rid of a whole bunch of refugees import them into countries like Germany so that they could work remedial jobs in factories at slave labor. Because remember what I said, the imports require slave labor to, to, to order in order for the imports to be affordable. So for that, China has us covered. So China's a winner there. They basically use their $1.5 billion billion population as a commodity, and they use people as slaves 12-year-olds work 18-hour days for near nothing. They get room and board. They sleep in a room with a whole bunch of other people. And they're just merely existing. And they make our widgets and project products and all kinds of stuff that Amazon sells and Walmart sells and you name it. That's the import of goods and products. But the services... The uh, labor that we need here in country, the dishwashers and the people that pull the grapes off of the vines in the vineyards and work in the agricultural fields and do the manufacturing jobs in agricultural facilities like slaughterhouses that do the jobs that nobody would ever want to do. We're importing those through the open border, but we're not the only ones doing that. And we're also then, as a twofer, turning them into voters, giving them an ID, getting them to register. And they're not even registering. There's just like a ballot harvester takes your ballot. They got people that are registering your name and ID for you. That's why all of those before the 2020 election, that's why all of those everywhere you turned on social media, there was a sales pitch and on Google. There was a sales pitch to register to vote. And like I told you several times, I went and checked that out. And what it turned out to be was very difficult. I was like, wow, it's a lot easier to just go downtown and do it that way. I mean, a lot easier. Just go and give them your ID and get your card and it's all done. 
But the Democrats, they insult the black people of America by saying that voter ID is suppressing the vote and the black people aren't capable of doing things. They then insulted the uh, rural people and said rural people couldn't possibly work, uh, figure out how to work a printer to print their ballot from home and, and so on and so forth. And then they went even further. And now they're even, you know, uh, basically harvesting your registration. They're basically having somebody do it for you. You might not even know that you're registered. But you get registered, and then that registration becomes a ballot. That ballot gets sent to whoever the registrar said your address was, or they don't even send it out at all. In many cases, the election fraud indicated that there was a ballot created, the ballot was mailed, and a ballot was received all in one day. Now, how in the world? I know the U.S. Post Office is, doesn't have that kind of track record. I know that. It takes 30 days for me to get pieces of mail sometimes, a lot of the time. So I know that they're not like, you know, we're going to mail it out to the person. They're going to fill it out, and they're going to mail it back, and it's all going to happen in one day? No. They basically created a fictional ballot based on a fictional registration based on an illegal migrant with an ID that was basically told not to vote illegally, but it was based on the honor system. And if they ever found out that they actually did vote, they would never complain. Hey, somebody hijacked my identity. What's your identity? Well, I'm not a citizen. Oh, well, then you have to go. Especially if you're going to try to whistleblow on the Democrat operation, you're going to go. Because it's all Democrats that run these inner city offices. And that's the horrible thing about it. But these, Obama released these Taliban leaders for Bo Bergdahl, a deserter. And now they're heading up the place. I think it's by design. And I don't think it's sheer stupidity. I think it's Obama's pedigree that he hates colonialism. He wanted to reverse colonialism. He wants to do a resettlement project. He wants to import people from all kinds of struggling countries through our open borders. He wants to give them amnesty. He wants to turn them into voters. Why? What's the guarantee? And if you tell this to a Democrat, they'd say, well, you know, you, maybe you got to do better with the uh, poor immigrants. Maybe that's your problem. You don't know how to win those people over. No, it's not that. Those people don't have a pot to pee in and they don't have any they don't have any means of survival except for a socialized government. And the Republican Party is not a socialized party. So they're all about competition and fair market value and you know. And and let's face it, these illegal migrants that can't speak English, that don't have a degree, that are packed with all kinds of diseases, they're not really what you would call very competitive in America. Now, what Trump wanted was to increase immigration legally and get the best of the best, get the world's brightest. The one little cry, the one little sliver of silver lining is that the Taliban's more than likely going to stay in Afghanistan, who we don't want, and a lot of the Afghan people are going to find their way into our country. But I don't see them doing the same thing for Cuba, do you? 
See, we got Cuban political dissidents. We got the same kind of thing going on in Cuba. But because we know how they vote, there's no crisis there. We're not going to resettle Cubans in America, are we? These are just foods for thought, things to make you, things to think about, right? This is all by design. This is all by design. I want to go through a couple of the tweets, the things we've been talking about online. Daily Mail UK writes, over 100,000 council, or no, over 100 councils across the UK pledged to take Afghan refugees amid plans to resettle 25,000. So Scuba Mike says it's a resettlement campaign. That's where I got that idea. I think he's right. Greg O'Lear says, Reminder that Mike Pence is, one, the fully owned property of TFG, and two, a silver-tongued liar on par with Beelzebub, which is none other than uh, Lindsey Graham. And they're all photographed together on a plane when Pence was vice president. Do not listen to a word this traitor says. So Mike Tubin. Here's another little tweet. Mike Tubin hit with backlash for a column he wrote arguing against prosecuting Trump. Big deal. Of course, to prosecute Trump, you would have to turn a blind eye to uh, um, due process, right? There was no evidence that Trump did anything wrong. It was a perfectly good call. Biden did 10 times worse on videotape, and they want to turn a blind eye to everything that Biden does. Everything Biden has done up to this point is an impeachable offense, but good luck with that. So, you know, the Hill article wrote this. Tubin hit with backlash for column. This is um, Jeffrey Tubin. Well, I said, Tubin keeps making things harder on himself. Wink, wink. Do you get it? Tubin, Zoom call, masturbation, got canned from CNN. I don't know. It was kind of funny. All right, so this guy says, this guy, uh, Farishta Abbasi. Okay, so this is a guy that's from Afghanistan, right? He works in Afghanistan. He's a lawyer, LLM in law and strategic studies, and scholar at uh, one of these foreign places that you would never know says this guy, and he's talking about this guy, Assad Masood Kastani, a Taliban commander. And this guy is filmed with CNN, and he, oh, by CNN. And he says, this guy, Assad Masood Kastani, is also a former colleague of mine. Guy knew him. Used to work in the same compound with me where only U.S.-funded projects were stationed. He definitely was getting paid from the United States aid and has been a member of the Taliban who revealed his identity now. So go figure that. Brian McNally writes, One one something really weird, Abdul Ghani Baradar, or new soon-to-be president of the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan, the new name for Afghanistan, was captured in Pakistan by the ISI and CIA in February 2010. He was released in October 2018 
at the request of the United States. So what did they do with al-Baghdadi? Didn't they do the same thing? Al-Baghdadi, the head of ISIS, was in a detention center called Camp Bukha in southern, south, or central southern Iraq. Camp Bukha. And Bel al-Baghdadi, in 2010, was released by the United States government, by the Obama regime. And shortly thereafter, he became the head of ISIS and set up headquarters in Raqqa, Syria. And then he became uh, fed a whole bunch of stuff, uh, assets out of Benghazi. And he took the fight to Syria, a war they would never win because I just said Russia was protecting Syria. Syria belongs to Russia practically. Not quite, but to some measurement. And so the only thing they did was they created a refugee crisis which I believe is exactly the plan that was going on in Afghanistan. We've already imported 1.2 million people coming through the southern border. We're probably going to end up with another 500,000 coming out of Afghanistan. How many do we get from Syria? How many is the UN doing? The turmoil that's going on in Africa, how many of those people are we getting? Every driver I have from Lyft and Uber are from some country in Afghanistan, uh, Africa. We're in the Middle East. So it's for real. It's I see it with my own two eyes. I'm here in D.C. and I see it all the time. And I always ask them the question, how did you get here? Some people talk about a U.N. program. Some people talk about a refugee lottery. But it's always sort of the same. They were given stipends, money to be set up on their feet. Andrew Wilco writes, guess who is headed back to Afghanistan. The Gitmo 5 were labeled hardest of the hardcore by U.S. intelligence officials who urged Obama to reconsider his decision. However, those warnings were ignored. So then you got these two guys here. Golam Rouhani was in Gitmo and released by Bush in 2007. He gave the address from inside the presidential palace in Kabul just recently. And then Karula Kurakwa was in Getmo and released in 2014 by Obama and Biden in exchange for Bergdahl, both key Taliban leaders for overthrow, for the overthrow of Afghanistan. So these leaders in the Taliban were released by Bush and Obama. The leader of uh, ISIS, al-Baghdadi, was released by Obama. And the people that um, are on the ground now are in bed with the State Department, radically left State Department, and the CIA. Whether it's because they want to use them as an asset and they become a double agent, I don't know. But it sure is fishy. So the Taliban member, Golam Rouhani, sitting in the presidential palace in Kabul, there he is, now let's take a listen to what Jake Sullivan, Obama's boy. This is a guy that's uh, uh, elite. His allegiance is with Obama, okay, not Biden. And right now, it looks like he's throwing Biden under the bus. Establishment so is right. not complete by August thirty first, and there are Americans and Afghans. 
Afghan allies who remain there. Will U.S. troops stay until everyone is out, or will they leave? So I'm not going to comment on hypotheticals. What I'm going to do is stay focused on the task at hand, which is getting as many people out as rapidly as possible, and we will take that day by day. So you can't commit to bringing back every American. There's a large number. So Jake Sullivan has no plan to get Americans out if they're still there past August 31st. So check this out. You know, um, one other story uh, that's big in the news is the New York City today is requiring that if you drive into New York City, you got to show papers. Where have we seen that before? Like with Hitler and the Jews and Auschwitz and all that? So if you want to go to New York, you need to show your papers. They're going to make it really difficult for you to not have a vaccine passport. Which people are now talking about something that the Scott Adams show has been talking about for forever. Vaccine passports are a way to segregate. Just like I told the story, if you're a businessman in Missouri where they ban vaccine passports and you have a customer that you need to go see in Portland, Oregon, not only can you not go into the building to meet with the client without the vaccine passport that you may not have because it's banned in Missouri, but you can't even get back on the plane to go back home to Missouri. So that creates segregation within commerce, within the, between the states. That's creating segregation between um, people that are being isolated from society because they're not in compliance with what is now a vaccine that doesn't work. So they said you're fully vaccinated if you get two vaccines. If you get the first and then you get the second jab, you're fully vaccinated. But now they're saying we're going to mandate and require, and I guess Biden's going to make a statement today that's basically going to announce that you're going to need a booster too. So now that draws into question this problem. The problem is, are you fully vaccinated? Is there such a, what is the definition of fully vaccinated? Because if they say you need to be fully vaccinated to get a vaccine passport, to get into a place in New York City, what determines whether or not you're vaccine, you're fully vaccinated or not? Because we, we know that if you got fully vaccinated with the first two shots, you're still going to be a spreader. You're still going to get the, vi- the virus. Uh, we know people like Abbott, the Texas governor, was fully vaccinated and just came down with COVID. And he's been isolated. So how do you go figure that, right? So now what is it going to be? That you need a booster too? So with all this ambiguity, what's the rush? Why the rush? Of course we know the rush is this is just a disguise. The vaccine passport system is a rollout of the social credit score system. That's all it is, folks. It's the blueprint. It's the model. It's the way you roll it out. It's a bait and switch. You get the, you, you get the vaccine. You then go, uh, you say, well, I got the vaccine, which I did not get the vaccine. But people who get the vaccine say, well, I got the vaccine. I might as well get the passport. Now they're compliant. And now they're feeding into this future. It's not about vaccines. This virus is going to come and go. What this is about now 
is this is more about the future. We're going to turn the vaccine passport system that we already have in place and we're going to make it a social credit scoring system so that basically how you behave will impact what kind of credit you can get, what kind of restaurant you can go into, whether you could shop on Amazon, whether you could be on social media. But if your job is mandating the shot, don't worry. Here are some places you can go without a vaccine passport. The White House, the CDC, the FDA, Moderna, Pfizer, the World Health Organization, and Johnson & Johnson. Those are all places, all the vaccination places, and all the health-orientated places, and all the people that are pushing out these draconian laws. You can go there without a vaccine passport. So Julie Kelly writes, has anyone resigned yet? With all this mess, has anyone resigned? That's a great question. Breaking 911 says, breaking, Los Angeles County will now require people to wear masks at outdoor events like concerts and festivals. Claudia Tenney says, if Joe Biden had been our president during World War II, I'd probably be writing this tweet in German right now. Cat Turd writes, Joe Biden could sell the USA to Afghanistan for $3 and the Republican Party wouldn't say a doggone thing. The GOP is totally useless. Lisa's America writes, My almost 90-year-old dad went to Burger King with a friend today in New Jersey. Most fast food places are taped off and closed for indoor dining. They sat anyway. The manager told them they have to leave. My dad said he was using the white privilege that everyone says whites have and stayed. So basically, the 90-year-old said he's using his white privilege and stayed. I thought that was funny. Molly Hemingway writes, Reminder, Jake Sullivan defended the fake steel dossier in 2018, saying it was perfectly appropriate for Hillary Clinton to commission the made-up document. How do you like that? Chase Geyser says, This week I learned that soldiers don't lose wars, leaders do. It's not the soldier's fault. They're being told what to do. Just like it's not your fault that if you end up going to get a vaccine rather than lose your job, it's not your fault. It's the government's fault. But we have to stand up and fight back for you and for everybody and for our future and for our children. That's where we are right now as a country. Twitter says the Taliban can stay on the platform if they obey rules followed following the armed insurrection of the presidential palace in Kabul and the takeover of Afghanistan. Let that sink in. So I wrote this. I said, there is no fully vaccinated now that booster shots are needed to increase vaccinated efficacy. I also wrote, Jake Sullivan's allegiance is with Obama. I've already told you that, but I did tweet it. Emerald Robinson says the Taliban can tweet, but Trump can't because he's too dangerous. So Melissa Tate is showing this picture of FEMA mandatory vaccines and RFID chips. This is the future they have planned for us unless we all wake up. Black or white, rich or poor, left or right, gay or straight. It doesn't matter. Stand up for your rights. 
don't let the government bully you around. So Jenny Beth Martin writes, President Biden's decision to capitalize, cap, capitulate. Okay, and this is big because the president, uh, the, the, I don't even want to call him president. Biden, I'm just reading that. But Biden, his capitulation, he never takes a stand on anything. And see, this is exactly what not taking a stand does. It allows people to walk all over you. That goes for the patriots in America. Don't just sit there and let them roll all over you like a steamroller. Fight back. Stand up. Speak out. So Biden's decision to capitulate to the Taliban in Afghanistan was both unnecessary and reckless. His careless withdrawal undermines and reverses all the gains we have made in Afghanistan over the past 20 years, especially regarding human rights. And of course, Nancy Pelosi comes out, we need to protect our girls and women while girls and women are being slaughtered in the streets right now for not wearing a burqa. Tell that to Biden. Don't tell that to anybody else. So Melissa Tate said, Biden says he is not giving Americans priority exit out of Afghanistan, and yet plane loads of military-aged men are arriving in American cities, so these men left their wives and children and, and children to save themselves? See, I mean, the problem is, it's all about globalism, migrating populations. If you take all the fighting-age males out of a region, who's left to defend it? They'd be... It destabilizes the region. You can go in, and if you're China and you need those precious minerals to make your electrical products and batteries, then it's right there for you, for the taking. You do the poppy seed fields, we'll do the fentanyl, you do the heroin, and we'll take all your battery electronics. That's what China's doing. And China's, you know, not that great of a distance from Afghanistan. And so this really presents a huge strategic win for China. And now China is actually telling our military what to do and what not to do with regard to Taiwan. And we said early in the week, we said, if you're Taiwan and if you're Ukraine right now today, you ought to be worried because Russia is going to test Biden over Ukraine just like China is going to test Biden over Taiwan. But it's not just about those takeovers. It's about the precious minerals in Afghanistan that they need to make planes, to make batteries, and all these other things that are so important for the world and so important for China. They're going to win big. Just in, toxic metals are seeping into human bones as they're released into the air during the production of batteries, solar panels, wind turbines, and smartphones, a study by an Israel university warns. So basically, this whole thing about climate change and these electric vehicles may not be the best thing for your health after all. So let's take a listen to what Biden has to say um, about Kabul. Let's uh, um Jake Sullivan. ...into any other world leaders since Kabul fell to the Taliban. Listen to this. Yes. Has Biden spoken with any world leaders? Now we found out that since he was pounded about this, he spoke to Boris Johnson, who basically is selling out his country just as easily as Biden's selling out his. In fact, they both coined the phrase, build back better, right? 
I think Johnson did it first and then Biden plagiarized Johnson. But let's take a listen to this question about whether he's spoken to any world leaders. Yes. Okay, two questions for you. One, has the president spoken to any other world leaders since Kabul fell to the Taliban? Sorry, I was looking at the wrong person. Uh, he has not uh, yet spoken with any other world leaders. Uh, myself, Secretary Blinken, uh, several other senior members of the team have been engaged on a regular basis with foreign counterparts, and we intend to do so in the coming days. Right now, the main issue is an, an operational issue. It's about how we coordinate with them to help them get their people out. So Jake Sullivan is basically the one running the foreign policy. And I've said that since before, you know, before all this happened, months and months and months ago, I said Jake Sullivan is the guy that's in charge of foreign policy. And Susan Rice is in charge of everyone. I mean, she's basically Obama's boss on the ground that has Jake Sullivan in check. And she's the commander-in-chief of our country right now is someone like Susan Rice, if not Susan Rice exactly, because she has a post and she's overseeing everything. She's like a senior advisor. But it's Jake Sullivan. Biden's not to talk with anybody until we talk to them first and tell Biden what to say and what to do. So our foreign policy is being run by these academic Brookings Institution, Atlantic Council whippersnappers as I had said since the beginning, nothing is new. Everything that the Scott Adams show has been saying since day one has been accurate. And we take great pride in that. So the Taliban militants opened fire at protesters waving the national flag in Jalalabad, the fifth largest city of Afghanistan, two dead, at least 10 injured so far. But Chicago still got them beat, but not for long. So Megan, the Daily Wire reports, Megan Rapino might call it quits. And Cat Turd writes, I'll file this under who gives a whatever, right? Emerald Robinson writes, the best chance for those 10,000 U.S. citizens trapped in Kabul to get home is to dress up as Afghan tribesmen who want to relocate to Wisconsin to vote blue. And then the Biden administration might airlift them out. Doesn't that sound about right? Kater writes, good morning to everyone except the pieces of crap Biden regime who is choosing Afghan refugees over American citizens as we speak. Worst president in history and is not even close. So breaking 9-11 says New Zealand is on nationwide lockdown due to one single case of COVID. Don't talk to your neighbors. Please keep your to your bubbles Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern tells the public. Let's listen. And make sure you keep us. Stay local and do not congregate. Don't talk to your neighbours. Please keep to your bubbles. It comes down again to those very simple principles. We know from overseas uh, cases of the Delta variant that it can be spread by people simply walking past one another. So keep those movements outside to the bare minimum. Wear a mask. And make sure you keep up that physical distancing. So don't talk to your neighbors. These are the same morons that said asymptomatic doesn't spread. And then they said it does spread. They said wear a mask. Then they said the cloth masks and anything other than an N95 don't work. 
And then they said that ivermectin didn't work. Now we find out it does. You know, they would be so much better off. I said this to that response. I responded to that. I said, rather than cower in your bubble, I'd recommend ivermectin H- or hydroxychloroquine and other effective therapeutics along with weight loss, vitamin D from the sunshine and to get out more and be more active. This approach will reduce the threat of COVID and threat of COVID in terms of hospitalization and make herd immunity a reality. Because if you're healthy and you get it, you can beat it. Especially if you take preventative measures like taking hydroxychloroquine. The people with lupus and malaria, they were taking hydroxychloroquine. There were very few cases, if any. Uh, they were taking a large amounts of that for the last six months prior to COVID's arrival. So the Taliban leader was freed from Getmo, and I wrote a response that I said, Obama released five Taliban commanders from Getmo in exchange for Bergdahl, stating the Taliban leaders would be transferred to Qatar and kept from causing any trouble in Afghanistan. In fact, they were left free to engineer Sunday's sacking of Kabul. And then Ian Miles writes, In an unknown location in Afghanistan, the Taliban seized a large weapons cache of M4 carbines, LMGs, PBS-SD-70s, night vision goggles, and an assortment of U.S. military equipment. There's video of all of this, by the way. It's out. It's stunning. It's absolutely crazy. So, Columbia Beagle writes, you're going to be subjected to a ton of moral blackmail by the ruling class over Afghan refugees. Do not budge. No refugees. I said, resettle them in Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan is where Afghan President Ghani fled to immediately after the Taliban seized power. Did it with all of his money. Uzbekistan is a short bus ride located just north and west of Afghanistan. Why do we have to take them? Why not send them to Uzbekistan? Because we're exploiting the slave labor. We're we're using them as pawns. Matt Couch writes, at no time in history have the people forcing others into compliance ever been good. Uh, the good guys. At no point. People forcing you into compliance, have, have they ever been the good guys? Right? So Rising Serpent writes, Stephen Miller made an important point on Laura Ingram. It's an extraordinary expensive to resettle refugees. They get free health care, welfare, food and benefits, for the uh, cost of resettling one Afghan refugee, it's in the U.S. Fifteen to twenty, as many could be resettled in Pakistan. I said Uzbekistan, but he said Pakistan. Kim Stafford writes: It's four a.m. in Kabul. The Taliban are currently going through the crowd outside the airport and beating the SIV men with chains, while thousands of Marines are just on the other side of a gate, ordered to stand down and not engage. It didn't have to be this way. John Audrasuk says, I'm still trying to get my head around the fact that we pulled out with 10,000 Americans still in country. How is that possible? How can we not evacuate the citizens before we evacuate our bases? Am I crazy? Emerald Robinson writes, Attorney Barnes Law has put together a warning letter for people to use free of charge when their employers force them into getting the jab. It's a vaccine mandate protest letter. You want to Google that. Uh, Go to vivabarneslaw.locals.com. That's vivabarneslaw.com. 
Vocals.com if you want to get a legal uh, legal situation with respect to uh, a legal encounter, a legal remedy to uh, your your employer mandating that you get the vaccine. A lot of people are suggesting that Austin, uh, the Secretary of Defense, mandating vaccines is going to be a huge national security problem. So Scott Adams, uh, so I write, this is the Taliban crew who played CIA, NSC, State Department, Biden, Kamala, Susan Rice, Jake Sullivan, the top brass at the Pentagon, Mark Milley's Joint Chiefs of Staff, their pals at Brookings and other liberal think tanks, and American journos for fools. And there was a bunch of Taliban dancing in the streets. There is a story about Whitmer who basically says the FBI told informant in government Whitmer's kidnapping plot to lie and delete messages. Hill's Hill's claim that an FBI agent directed a man named Dan to lie to people in the group he had infiltrated and possibly implicate an innocent third party as part of his duties. So the FBI was directly involved in that encounter with uh, Whitmer just like they were with the J6. Uh, shame on the FBI. Cat Turd writes, No man left behind is turned into everyone left behind while I go on vacation. The Gates Foundation is basically an NGO arm of the Chinese Communist Party. That's new news uh, about their ties to Communist China. The Bradford File writes, Everything Trump warned about a Biden presidency has come true, only worse. The Bradford File writes, terrorists are now openly mocking the President of the United States. Drew Holden said, oh, no, no, that, I'm not going to go into that one. That's a thread. Um, and then I said, listen, class, there's a picture of a 640 Afghanis on a C-17 that can hold 140 people. So out of the 640, I count less than 10 people wearing masks. I said, listen, class, this is a United States C-17 designed to carry 140 passengers departing Kabul and Afghanistan. See if you can count how many of the 640 passengers on board are wearing their masks. Also, I wrote this. I said, the the fiasco is intentional. Shame on those who support this operation disguised as mere negligence. Stupidity on this level is never by accident. China gets Taiwan. Dems import new voters. Vaccine passports camouflage a new social scoring system. And the Middle East gets, uh, and the middle class gets crushed. And I said, there is a race. Uh, There is a race Democrats in Washington are playing out between pushing for more election fraud legislation like we've seen first with H.R. 1, now with H.R. 4, known as the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, and importing a new dependent class of voters known as refugees and illegal migrants. Well, that brings us to the end of our Scott Adams show today. Uh, Be sure to check out buglecall.org, magapac.org. Make a donation if you'd like to support America First policies to make America great again. Check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast. We'll see you next time on the radio. They grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper just to bury my kids right up to their neck.